Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of the Beer and Biceps podcast. Uh, today I will be discussing the truth about meal replacement shakes. I think this is a really interesting topic to discuss because uh, there's a lot of strong opinions on both sides of the debate. Many people absolutely love meal replacement shakes and many people hate them and hate the idea behind them. Um, I think a lot of that hate stems from one company, which is the elephant in the room, Herbalife. And I think that that's where the whole debate becomes an issue, because Herbalife is not a good example of a meal replacement shake. So I think it's important to separate the two. Um, I think one of the things is that most of the people who hate, uh, who love meal replacement shakes tend to be people who have no experience in nutrition or sports science or anything like that. And the people that hate Herbalife are, tend to be personal trainers and fitness instructors and people on the fitness side of it. I think part of the problem with that is a lot of the people in the fitness industry tend to uh, get caught up in trying to be very tribal about things. So you either love CrossFit or you hate CrossFit. You either love ketogenic diets or you hate ketogenic diets. You either love meal replacement shakes or you hate meal replacement shakes. And there's no room for a sort of scientific approach, which is quite ironic because the whole fitness industry is supposed to be scientific in nature. But if you actually look at the science of meal replacement shakes, uh, the evidence that they work it far outweighs the evidence that they don't work. But you've got to look at the context of the situation. Is having a meal replacement shake a good idea? Possibly. It's not a terrible idea to have it if you are very overweight. And studies have shown that that is actually the case. If you are very, very overweight, going on a meal replacement shake diet has been shown to help. And I think a lot of personal trainers would argue with that, but they're arguing against facts, really. They're arguing against the science, and they're doing it from an emotional point of view. Um, deep down, people like people like me in the industry, we don't really want there to be a magic solution, and the mirror replacement shake sort of acts like it is. There's no exercises required. There's no clever diet or anything like that. There's nothing you need an expert for. You just replace some of your meals with a powder, which is a certain calorific amount. Like, and that is quite scary because, you know, extrapolate that further and what do you need a fitness instructor for? What do you need a personal trainer for? Now, I'm not arguing that that's actually the case. I think, if anything, you know, having a personal trainer and doing a meal, whilst instead of doing a meal replacement shake is a smart idea. I'm just saying it's not the only idea. Um, but anyway, let's let's get on to Herbalife, the biggest meal replacement shake company ever. Everyone hates on Herbalife, and I am not going to change that. Um, through the wonders of the internet, I've managed to have my an article I wrote about Herbalife. Um, if you type in buy Herbalife products into Google, um, the number one website result, not adverts, is actually my website telling you to not buy Herbalife. So I think I'm quite impressed with that, and... Hopefully that's actually persuaded more people not to go with them than anything else. Um, and that's kind of the reason why I did this podcast. Um, I thought the article was all right, but it was uh, four years old now. And it was a bit, it was actually just an email that I turned into an article. So it was a bit light on details. And I thought I'd go into it a bit more with the podcast. Um, Herbalife is a multi-level marketing company. 
I'm being very careful with how I describe it because I don't have any lawyers. So <laughs> I'm not going to say it's a pyramid scheme. What I will say is that it's definitely some form of triangle where a very small amount of people at the very top get exceedingly rich and almost nobody else does. Um, there was an article I read recently that talked about it from a business point of view. So at the moment, I'm just sticking to the business point. Um, and it was saying that the amount of people who are actually make minimum wage from Herbalife is something like a few thousand. And when you bear in mind that hundreds of thousands of people sell it, you realise what a small percentage of people who actually sell Herbalife are actually making enough to live on. And it's such a small amount. If you're talking about how many people have actually made a million from it, the number is infinitesimally small. It's something like, and again, I wish I had the article on me. I really should have prepared better for this. But it is something like less than 1% of people who do Herbalife make a million, uh, make over $100,000. Um, they're saying that if you want to become a millionaire, any form of business would get you a better chance of becoming a millionaire than Herbalife. But the entire the entire thing that Herbalife does is just... They don't promote their actual products. They promote selling their selling their products. So they're not interested in the product. They're interested in getting people to sell the product. And I think that should really wake people up to what Herbalife is as a company. It it needs new people buying in every every single day. The moment that stops, the whole thing is going to collapse. Sort of like a pyramid scheme which again, I'm trying very hard not to call it. Um, but yeah, so as a business, it's an awful, awful, awful product. And there are a lot of stuff out there like this, and I absolutely hate it. I think it's a, it's very interesting how this market continues to survive. Um, I remember uh, watching a video talking about how uh, multi-level marketing looked like it was on its way out in the US, but then uh, Donald Trump, who... Uh, has large shares in one of the multi-level marketing and all of his, um, a lot of his advisors also have uh, stairs. I think it's something like, I can't remember if it's called Amway or something like that, but, uh, or something like that. But uh, yeah, it's it's just very shady business. Um, and there is a reason why they don't promote their product in Herbalife, and it's because their product is not very good. It's not terrible. Like, a lot of personal trainers and fitness instructors who rail on about how awful herb life is talk about it as a product that is just shocking and is more likely to poison you it's not it's just a regular protein shake it's just not a very good one it's okay it's not terrible but it's not good enough to justify the price um when i first wrote the article um there was nine grams of protein per serving in a herbalife shake um that is shockingly low um, one of their competitors, Huel, who I think is actually a good example, but I'll get onto them later. Their protein per serving is thirty, or at the time that I wrote the article, was thirty-seven point four five grams per serving. Now I don't want to go into the importance of protein; that's a whole other subject. Um, but the idea is you want quite a lot of protein in your diet to maintain muscle or build muscle, um, and particularly if you are dieting, which most people who take Herbalife are, they want high protein and Herbalife is not that. Um, when I wrote the article, in between all the people telling me to piss off, one commenter pointed out that you could buy an extra protein powder to accompany the shake. And that is true. And if you do that, it boosts it up to something like 18 grams of protein, which, you know, is not, not terrible. 
but why do you need to buy an extra protein powder to go with your protein powder? You know, it's a bad product. And that's why Herbalife, the company, focuses entirely on the multi-level marketing. Um, they would, I would estimate they make a lot more money from people buying the product to sell than they ever do it from people who genuinely just want to buy the product. You know, it's... And anyone who's buying it has literally just been either guilt-tripped or lied to um, by the person selling it because there are better products out there for cheaper, so why are you going for this one, you know? Guilt trip because your friend needs money, basically. Um, yeah, so Herbalife, not a very good product, not terrible. It does what any protein shake would do, it's just low in protein. Um, but actual meal replacement shakes, when I talk from now on, imagine I'm not talking about Herbalife at all, I'm talking about a meal replacement shake that has been created in a lab or, you know, by a rival company. Um, there are studies that have looked into the effect of meal replacement shakes on uh, long-term dieting. So, you know, the, the goal of most diets is to lose weight and then maintain it. That's the important bit. You can lose weight. That bit's, it's not easy, it's challenging, but compared to maintaining weight for the rest of your life, it is relatively straightforward. You eat less and you exercise more. Um, that's never the problem people have. You know, you could do that in two, three weeks and be done with it, but you will gain weight again. So that's the, the purpose of the studies was to look at losing weight and then keeping it off. Uh, there was a study by Koenig et al. in 2008, and it found out that in the short term, uh, meal replacement shakes were more effective than regular dieting techniques for weight loss and uh, adherence to the diet. Um, so that's, you know, that's just a short term thing. So it's not that important, but it's good to know, you know, so you can say, all right, if we're going to do two diets, one of them's a meal replacement shake and one of them's just a ketogenic diet or a vegan diet or a, you know, if it fits your macros diet, anything like that in terms of those. And I don't think those were necessarily the diets that were being used, but you know, compared to a regular diet, um, the meal replacement shake was more effective, um, then we looked at a study which was done in 2004 by Noakes et al. And it found that in the long term, uh, a regular diet versus a meal replacement shake diet, um, the uh, meal replacement shake diet was just as effective as the regular diet, but it was actually easier to comply. So the people following both diets got the same results, but the people following the meal replacement shake diet uh, actually found it easier to do. And that's a big deal because why do most people... Why are most people unsuccessful with diets? It's not necessarily because they weren't getting results. It's because they found it difficult to do. And I think that's such an overlooked aspect of dieting. When people talk about going on a diet, you think, you know, it's going to be a shame missing out on, you know, the junk food, the takeaways, you know, 14 beers a day, all that sort of side of it. But actually, the difficult part isn't doing that, especially not in the short term. Long term, yeah, but in the short term, the, the difficulty is trying to fit the new diet into your lifestyle. You know, cooking from scratch, you know, when, you've, when you're used to just getting home and putting a microwave meal in, that is difficult. And it annoys me a lot because a lot of fitness instructors and personal trainers and industry experts and all that very tone deaf on that they don't really realize when they say oh yeah you know cooking fresh cooking organic you know buying all this sort of stuff creating meals here's a recipe here's a recipe here's a recipe yeah we get it it's easy for you or in my case me it's easy for us to do because we're literally incentivized to do it it's our job 
and we make money from being good at that. You know, I, don't get me wrong, I don't. <laughs> I don't think I made any money from making healthy food. But if I did and I posted it on Instagram and I got loads of followers from doing that and I said, here's my recipes and all that sort of stuff, I am financially incentivized to do it. That is a motivation for me. And it's a motivation for all personal trainers who want to look good so that they can get more clients. And you definitely do. So personal trainers do not realize that, you know, changing your lifestyle drastically like that can be very difficult. You know, in fact, to be fair, a lot of personal trainers probably do realize it, but not the ones who are harping on about how terrible herbal life is and how great their diet is. You know, they don't seem to get it. Or the ones going on about, oh, just go for organic and you'll lose weight, even though you won't because organic food is just food. Anyway, so that is the benefit of meal replacement shakes. Um, I personally wouldn't recommend one of my clients go on it, partly because it's not my place, I'm not a dietitian. So yeah, also do not take any diet advice from me. I've done nutrition at university as part of my sports science degree, but I'm not an expert in it. I just know a lot, especially about meal replacement shakes, because I find it interesting to research, and also I do it for money, so you know. <laughs> um. But yeah, so mirror replacement shakes can be good. They're not good for everyone, but they can be useful, particularly for very overweight people. Um, what a lot of overweight people find is so the science is against them succeeding. Um, when you get very, very overweight, um, stuff like uh, your uh, appetite is different to that of a regular person. Um, you can find it harder to... Um, stay full between meals because your leptin and your ghrelin which are two hormones that um affect your um they regulate your appetite um they can actually be changed there's a thing called leptin resistance which means um that the hormone that stimulates hunger is more powerful and the hormone that stimulates um that feeling of fullness after you eat is less effective so you can imagine why you know going on a diet when you're already feeling hungrier than a person who's in perfect health and, you know, you've got even more hunger than usual because you're going on a diet and it's difficult. And also a lot of people who are very overweight tend to lead very stressful lives. They tend to be, lead very busy lives. I think there's a sort of an, an idea, a sort of an impression that overweight people tend to be lazy, but that doesn't bear out at all. For, the, for, the long, uh, for a lot of it, overweight people tend to be very highly stressed. They tend to be very busy and they tend to have, you know either an active family life or they've got an active work life or stuff like that. And that all can contribute to weight gain. You know, you don't have as much time to plan out meals. You don't have enough, as much time to exercise. You don't have, you know, you're not getting good sleep because you're overweight. And that sort of uh, momentum snowballing effect happens. You know, the, the less sleep you get, the more hungry you get because um, a lack of sleep can affect um, appetite as well, which is an absolute kicker. Um, but then you, yeah, and you've got um, higher cortisol level, like cortisol levels that are elevated for longer, which can affect weight gain, and lower testosterone in men, which again affects weight gain, all that sort of stuff. I'm sort of tailing off a bit here, um, but anyway, for a lot of overweight people, diet adherence is difficult and it's complicated, and in that situation, a meal replacement shake diet can actually be very effective, because short term it's more effective, and in the long term it's easier to follow, and it's simple. So the idea is, instead of having, you've got your three meals, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and then you get two snacks. You could do that just as it was, and you'd probably see quite good results, actually, especially if you tend to be like a 
you, most of your calories come from snacking or you know binge eating or binge drinking if you actually follow that structure then you will probably lose weight um, but this just takes it a step further and it's especially effective for people who tend to um, they don't eat all the time but when they do eat their portions are bigger that's definitely been an issue for me in my life I'm sort of you know, when you're raised, you know, finish your plate because of the poor starving people, all that sort of stuff. And then finishing your plate becomes sort of like a badge of honour. And then finishing other people's plate, you know, to help that poor person, you know, who's starving. <laughs> I don't know why I get into that. But that, you know, that sort of attitude, that could be really destructive because you're getting your regular calories plus half of someone else's who's not finishing. But anyway, yeah. So getting a meal replacement shake means that you have maybe breakfast or breakfast and lunch instead of having a meal where you're not you know you're not checking calories or anything like that you're just having a meal replacement shake itself you're just getting you know a powder mixing it in with a drink it's 300 calories you know it's 300 calories and that's it so you have breakfast which is definitely 300 calories you have lunch which is definitely 300 calories and then dinner you have a planned meal and yes that's more difficult than normal but at least it's just one meal you have to concentrate on and let's say that meals 700 calories and that's 1300 calories for the day like yeah that's very very low calories I probably should have done better maths than all this okay let's say your main meal is 700 and let's say you're also allowed two 200 calorie snacks okay so that's a bit more respectful. I think that we're looking at 1,700 calories there in a day, which for somebody who maybe, you know, their uh, calorie intake need is about 2,000, that's a 300-calorie deficit, you would lose a lot of weight faster doing that. Um, I probably wouldn't recommend such an aggressive calorie deficit, but I'm just trying to do maths on my head here with a whiteboard and no pen. So uh, anyway, so that's the idea. Um the, uh, also, you know, especially like even Herbalife do this, actually. They, they You start with the two meals and then after a few weeks, you go down to one meal as a meal replacement shake and then you can work on creating yourself a healthy lunch. So that, you know, it's fairly simple and I don't really understand why they, they get so much hate from personal trainers. They're like Their arguments tend to be, it's better to eat real food. And it's like, well, yeah, but what if the real food you're eating is garbage? What if it's, you know, 500 calories and you're you've gained so much weight that you now have, you know, diabetes and heart disease, then a meal replacement shake is a good idea, isn't it? You know, that that's the thing. We're, it's a very judgmental sort of attitude to have, but the science proves that meal replacement shakes can work. They're just... Firstly, they're, they're not the best solution, but they're a, they're a more realistic solution. And secondly, it's important to remember that not all meal replacement shakes are equal. If you're doing it with Herbalife, then that's probably not the best option because one, you're paying too much; two, you're supporting an industry, you know, a com- uh, business that is shady to say the least; and three, you're not getting a great product out of it. Nine grams of protein per serving is rubbish. Like you, you might as well just eat several Snickers bars. But if you're going with a good uh, company, and I'm going to mention Huel again because they're the only one I know that actually is any good. But you could do it with just regular protein shakes, really. Um, uh, Or you could not do it at all. It's up to you. But anyway, so that was my argument on why meal replacement shakes are good when used effectively. And they're not all terrible and people need to stop acting like they are. But now I'm going to move on to the beer side of things. Um, And I have been drinking Jupiler, which is a 
pale lager from Belgium. Um, I thought this was quite an interesting beer to drink, actually. I'd never had it before, and I love Belgian beers. Uh, Dupala is a 5.2% lager, and it actually is the most popular beer in Belgium, which I find very interesting, because it's nothing special. Like, I'm trying it now. It's just a very, very regular lager, you know, like a, a Foster's, a, Carl, a Carling, Carlsberg, you know, that sort of thing. And nothing special, but this is actually the beer of Belgium. I mean, I talk about all the beers I like, you know, Orval, Duvel, uh, God, why can't I think of them? Afflegem, um, even Stella Artois, add that in there, Chimay, all these beers are all amazing, you know, high-quality, high-class beers that, you know, I could wax lyrical, and I will, you know, for ages. And they've got massive histories. They, you know, like, some of them are hundreds of years old. They're absolutely amazing, and it's exactly why I love Belgian beer. And then you've got the most popular beer for Belgian people is just a regular Pilsner lager. You know, <laughs> it's very odd. Um, It's not terrible. It's, yeah, it's just... Very, very regular. Uh, Dupler's uh, was founded in 1966, and it is in based in Liege, which I only know it's an area at all because of the football team, um, Standard Liege. And yeah, it's you know a standard beer from Liege. Um, so yeah, would I recommend it? No, not really. I mean, I got the right glass for it, so I'm quite pleased to have it. But yeah. It's completely normal and not worth buying, really. Belgians, you should be ashamed of yourself because you've got some of the best beers ever and you're drinking this. <laughs> All right, so that's pretty much the end of it. Um, as usual, I will be answering questions from my fans. Uh, first question, as usual, is why don't you just give up and bring Todd back uh, from a Mr. T Davies in Watford? Uh, second question is... Um, Matt, you're clearly making this up again, and also you have clearly not prepared for this at all from somebody. And then the final question is, home gyms, are they worth it? Which is a good question. Um, home gyms are, in my opinion, absolutely fine. Um, I think a lot of people who slated them beforehand, um, I think the personal trainer James Smith, no relation, had absolutely nowhere near the same level of fame. Uh, he went on an absolute rant about how rubbish they were just before lockdown hit, and I haven't seen what his response has been since, but I bet he fucking changed his tune there, didn't he? <laughs> uh, the truth is, up to a certain point, a home gym is going to be perfect for most for most people. Um, any form of exercise is. I'm so sick of this sort of uh, exercise snobbery that happens around certain things, like... CrossFit, for example, even though I've never done it, um, there's a lot of snobbery around that. There's a lot of snobbery around uh, burpees. There's a lot of snobbery around Zumba. It's just exercise. For most people, all you need to do is improve your cardiovascular health and lose a bit of weight. And most exercise, when done properly, can do that. A home gym, depending on the size, is very good, um, at least initially. If you're looking to build muscle, you're going to eventually run into problems unless you can continue to expand your gym's uh, gym size and the equipment you've got. Um, but if you're looking to lose weight or just stay with your fitness, then it's absolutely fine. I mean, 
the, the problem I always think is with uh, the amount of dumbbells or kettlebells you own, you're going to get to a point where you're finding it too easy um, and you know the weight's not going to be enough because you need to keep pushing yourself. Um, what I would also say about that, though, is one, you can just buy more equipment and get rid of your older equipment on eBay. And two, most people never exercise that long. Like, <laughs> And also, there's a lot of stuff you can do with uh, high rep exercises. Uh, the reason why I used to not like home gyms and why I still don't bother with them now is it's more just a motivation thing. I think for certain people, especially people like myself, um, a home gym is too easy to ignore which sounds crazy like you know the weights are just there why don't you do it but then to everyone who says that why aren't you doing press press ups right now why aren't you squatting because you can't be asked <laughs> going to a gym is an actual you have to leave your house you have to travel to that gym you have to walk in you have to beep and all that stuff is difficult but it it creates a sort of thing in your head where okay I'm going to the gym this time I have to go and then I'll do this and don't get me wrong that will fail for a lot of people eventually but for me the actual leaving of the house and going that journey makes me want to go to the gym because that's the you know I know it's difficult to get there but once I'm there I'm definitely going to exercise at home I could be lying in bed going you know I could exercise right now but then I don't because there's way too many things I'd rather be doing like just lying in bed thinking about exercising is much more fun than actually exercising. And I think also gyms have like got a a community. So, well, good gyms have a community to them, which me exercising on my own does not have. Um, so, you know, and, and then also there's the fact they've got better equipment, more equipment, and, you know, people that can help you if you get stuck underneath a barbell, which home gyms do not have. Like, if I got stuck underneath a barbell... You know, there's no way my missus is going to be able to help me, nor would she necessarily be inclined to. So, yeah, if you can't get to a gym and you have the motivation to do it, definitely give it a go. And, you know, don't go all out and spend a fortune first. Buy a couple of weights and see if you actually use them for, a, you know, a period of four weeks first. And if you are using it, then slowly expand it over time. You know, you'll save yourself a fortune in gym membership, Um You'll have all the equipment yourself, so, you know, it's a perfect situation. If you're like me, then you're not going to do it, so just wait till the gym's open again. Um, that's, that's probably not what I should be saying. What I should be saying is, you know, push yourself, believe in yourself, etc., etc. You know, don't be a wolf, continue, or don't be a sheep, continue to be in a pack, etc. You know, all that bollocks, motivational stuff. But I'm a realist. You're not going to do it. Don't bother. Just try not to eat so much. All right, well, that's enough for me for this week, and I will probably talk to you again. Who knows? I said I'd do it um, next week in the last podcast, and that was three weeks ago. So if we know anything, I am lazy and a liar. Have a good one, guys.